am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. I step back so the Spirit of God can use me to speak the oracles of God. Holy Spirit, take what's said. Take it through the airwaves. Translate it into our hearts. And Lord, I declare that strongholds are coming down. And Father, minds will be renewed. And I thank you that we will hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us and to our church. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you this morning. Well, we're in a series called Facing the Giants. Everybody say Facing the Giants. And last week, Pastor Sarah did an amazing job, and her message was Facing the Giant of Insecurity. So if you did not get a chance to watch that, go back and watch that message. Now, today what I'm going to do, I'm actually doing part two of the last message I did on Facing the Giants of Your Emotions. So if you're taking notes, the message title is Facing the Giants of Your Emotions, Part 2. Now, you may ask, why is this subject so important? Well, it's important because there are people incarcerated today because they couldn't control their emotions. There are riots in America and across the world that are being started because people can't control or manage their emotions. Domestic violence is taking place right now in homes across America because people can't control their emotions. And unfortunately, divorces even happen in relationships because of emotions. So here's what I'm going to do. In order for me to properly teach today's message, which is part two, I have to go back and give you a slight review to lesson number one so we all can start out on the same page. So let me start out by saying that God gave us our emotions. I'm going to say that again. God gave us our emotions. But the question you and I must ask ourselves is, do I have emotions or do my emotions have me? See, God designed every part of us to serve and glorify him, and that includes our emotions. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it's on your screen, says this, And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God, watch this, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Notice he says with all of your heart, your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your intellect. He says, listen, we are supposed to love God with our emotions. And when our emotions become unmanageable, watch this now, we cannot properly glorify God with them. Now, what are our emotions? They are the center 
the epic center to help you and I process our senses. They impact our attitude. And let me point something out for those of you who may be saying, well, I'm glad I'm not emotional. Well, the problem could be is that you're on the other end of the spectrum. In other words, you've been hurt or disappointed so bad in your life that you've decided that I'm just not going to be emotional at all. I'm never going to allow anybody to hurt me again. And what's sad is that that attitude is just as worse. Why? Because when you need to feel or when you need to have emotions, you don't. Someone say amen to that. Now, I said in our first lesson that our emotions should serve as a gauge to how we feel, but not be the final authority to determine what's real. For example, if you were here at church and you walked past someone and you spoke to them and they didn't speak back, our emotions could come to the conclusion that that person doesn't like us. When the reality could have been that that person never heard you speak to them. And I said this in our first lesson, our souls are meant to feed us and not lead us. In other words, here's a take-home statement. I'm, I hope it's on your screen. Our souls are designed to feed us information, not to control our destinations. Amen. And so we had two points in my first lesson. Here's the first point very quickly, and that is our souls, we should be fed and not led. We should be fed and not led. And this point was designed to help you and I understand that in addition to having a soul, which is where our emotions are located, God designed us in his image and that image is spirit. And that part of us, that spirit part of us, is the part that should govern our lives. And that should govern our decision making, not necessarily our souls. And because, now listen, 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 listen. We were never designed to be led by our souls. And when we do, we operate no different than animals because animals live by instinct only. I gave a take-home statement and here's what it was. I said, what a smoke detector is to a house, our emotions are to the soul. And then we had a second point. And the second point was being led is a choice and not a feeling. You see, the reason God made Adam and Eve in his image, which was spirit, is so that they could follow him. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so we're in control to either be fed by our emotions or led by the Spirit and obey him. You and I must accept this shocking revelation that I'm about to give you, and that is, watch this now, we can be in control of how we feel. So let's jump into part two of this lesson, okay? And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn or click to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And one of the things I tried to point out earlier was that Adam and Eve's emotions did not turn negative until sin came on the scene. Once they sinned against God, then that's when emotions became negative. In other words, our forefathers who birthed sin into the world caused now negative emotions to show up. And so what I want to do today, now this is very critical, is show us where and how emotions are birthed. And then I'm going to show us how to manage our emotions God's way. So I only have two points again today. Here's point number one if you're taking notes. You and I, when it comes to our soul, you allow light or a lie to enter. When it comes to our soul, 
you and I, we allow light or a lie to enter. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 8, and then we're going to jump into it. It says, Now the serpent, or the devil, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yes, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God has said, or for God knows in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, the Bible says she took the fruit thereof, she did eat it, and she gave it also to her husband who was with her, and he did eat. And then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed thick fig leaves together and made themselves aprons and then the bible says in verse 8 as we end and they heard the voice of the lord walking in the midst of the garden and they hid themselves from the presence of the lord among the trees of the garden so let's dissect this okay if you notice in chapter 3 it starts out by saying now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Watch this. And he said to the woman. Okay, first of all, that tells us that, that the devil can talk. But you must understand that the devil speaks to our souls or our emotions and not our spirit. I'm going to say that again. When the devil talks, because he can talk. He talked to Jesus, he's going to talk to you. But I want you to notice when he speaks to us, he's speaking to our souls or to our emotions and not our spirit. So anytime the devil wants to derail you and I, he tries to do so by speaking to our soul realm. And I want you to notice what the devil did in verse 1. He said to Eve, yes, watch this now class, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The devil took what God had said because, listen, he knows the word. He took what God said and watch what he did. He changed a commandment into a question. Do you notice that? He says, hath God said? And this is where Eve lost the battle because she allowed what the devil said or what her emotions were saying at the time she allowed that to start to question what God had said. Now, let me show you something that you may not have seen, okay? Because I'm about to show you how this conversation that, that Eve had with the devil, it warped her perception, and then she believed a lie. And once that happened, she then acted on that. Let's look at verse 2. It says, And the woman said to the serpent, watch this, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said. Now, I want you to notice something. She's repeating what she knew God had said. She said, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So I need you to pay attention again. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. The verse 4 says, and the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So here is my question. What did God say to them? 
Well, let's go back to Genesis 2.16. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, okay, class, notice whatever God is about to say, it was a commandment to the man. He says, and he commanded the man. So we're not talking about a suggestion. We're talking about a commanded, a commandment. And remember I said earlier that the devil changed God's commandment into a question. Well, it says, he told the man of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the garden uh, that... But of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. Watch this now. For in the day you eat it, watch what God told Adam. He said, the day you do that, you shall surely die. So God told Adam from the beginning, he would die if he ate the fruit. So the devil, listen to me now, he lied to Eve. Because he says, you're not going to die. He lied to Eve and then he painted a false picture of what life would look like. And if she believed that, she believed the lie. And the Bible says she ate the fruit and gave it to her husband. And you know what? This happens to people, not just Christians all the time. We allow how we feel and our emotions to lead us and we make life altering decisions with the perverted mindset of, oh, it's going to work out. But see... It didn't work out for Adam and Eve. Now, it did work out for their offspring through Jesus Christ, but it did not eventually work out for them. So now let me give you the process of how emotions are birthed. Because you can't manage something if you can't figure out how you got it. So let's look and see how our emotions are birthed, and then I'm going to show you how to control them. So here's step number one on how emotions are birthed. Our experiences, watch this, birth our thoughts our experiences birth our thoughts here's number two our thoughts then develop our perception okay and our perception i'll explain to you what that is and then our perception watch this now which is how we see things and how we feel things then our perception shapes our emotions and then our emotions, if not properly managed, will cause us to act or react to something. Okay, so let me give you an example. And this is, it's, it's a real example, but it's a sensitive example. So I'm hoping that whoever gone through this, God's going to hear you. But let's say you were raped growing up. That experience created some negative thoughts and feelings. Maybe some of these thoughts and feelings was... Well, where was God? If he loved me, why didn't he protect me? Or you may have thoughts like, well, I must have done something wrong. Or there must be something wrong with me. And that's why that happened to me. Or you may have had a thought or a feeling. Nobody's going to ever love me if they know or ever find out this happened to me. Or... You know what? If I tell somebody, they're not even going to believe me. So you have now lived life with these negative feelings. So these thoughts, watch this now, now develop our perception about ourselves and our situation. And our perception, which is how we see and feel about what happens to us, now it shapes our emotions and then we live through what I'm going to call, quote unquote, our truth. Now, this is not how we should allow our emotions to feed us or lead us. So here is the thing. You or I either allow light or a lie to influence our soul. 
And this is what happened to Eve. Eve allowed a lie from the enemy to question what she knew God said to her. And then, watch this now, this is dangerous. She believed a lie which deceived and warped her perception. And then after that, it caused her to act and obey. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, For Adam was first formed in Eve. Now, this take-home statement I'm about to give you has nothing to, to do with what I'm talking about, but it came to me in this area while I was studying, so I'm going to give you this because it will bless you anyway. Here's a take-home statement. You will never be comfortable with your purpose until you are comfortable with your person. Oh, that's good right there. I'm going to rewind now. Here we go. You will never be comfortable with your purpose until you are comfortable with your person. I could expand on that, but I'm not. Let's go to verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now, it was Eve's deception that caused her to transgress. Now, another word for transgression is sin or wrongdoing. So Eve's sin or wrongdoing uh, is what caused her now to go in the wrong direction. And this is what happens in life. And you have to understand, the Bible says Eve was deceived, but Adam weren't. Now, what makes that even bad is that Eve was deceived by the devil. But can you imagine? Adam wasn't. He did it knowing what he was doing. Somebody say amen to that. And this is what happens in life. We experience something that's negative. Listen to me, church. And instead of properly processing it God's way, because see, some of us, we did not know God when some of these things happened to us. And because we didn't, we allowed how we feel to determine what's real. And we ended up making poor choices and in some cases derailing God's direction. So how do we manage our emotions? Boy, this is where I want to be right here. How do we manage them? Because God wouldn't have given them to us if we can't manage them. We know, watch this now, that it is possible to manage them because God gave us a fruit of the Spirit when we got born again. And that fruit of the Spirit is called temperance. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith. Verse 23 says, Meekness, temperance. In other words, this fruit of the Spirit that you and I, we've been born again of, is called temperance or self-control. And watch this, self-control is a part of walking by faith. Second Peter chapter one, verse five says, and besides this, given our diligence, watch this church, add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance. In other words, your faith needs self-control for it to work properly. Here's a take home thought. Everybody at home say, hmm, here's a take home thought. Spiritual maturity cannot be measured by how much Bible you know, but how much Bible you apply. I'm going to say that again. Spiritual maturity can't be measured by how much Bible you know, but by how much Bible you apply. So let's see how we can manage our emotions. Here's point number two. If you can think it, you can control it. Ooh, listen, listen, listen. I'm going to say that again. If you can think it, you can control it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Watch this church now. This is good. He says in verse 3, Though 
We walk in the flesh. In other words, we're human. He says, but we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4 says this. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not natural. But they're mighty through God, watch this, to the pulling down of strongholds. So listen, God has given you and I some weapons to fight with. And these weapons are not carnal or natural. And watch this. Strongholds develop. Watch this. This is how we get strongholds. When we have had multiple negative thoughts and emotions that that have played in our hearts, played in our heads, and played in our emotions for a period of time so much, watch this, that we've accepted them. And so now these negative strongholds serve as a fortress. Verse 5 says this. Because it's about to tell us what to do with these weapons. He says, casting down imaginations. Now, when you look this word imaginations up, it is the Greek word for the word logismus or logismus, which is a similar word to our English word logic or logistic. In other words, it means computation, reasoning, and thoughts. So he's saying you and I, must cast down imaginations. We must cast down these computed reasonings and thoughts. And when we do that, he says, and, in other words, there are some thoughts now, there are some ways that, there are some reasonings in which we are thinking. He says, we need to cast them down. But in addition to that, he says, and, watch this, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So a high thing, listen to me, is anything that we feel, we think, our actions, our attitudes, our beliefs, or our ways of thinking that we have allowed to trump or exalt the word. So he says, listen, when it comes to your emotions, what you got to do is you got to bring it down. Any feeling, any thought, any attitude, any belief, any way of thinking that has exalted itself against the word of God. So listen, when we allow our emotions to make us act and feel in ways that contradict the word, then we're what? Listen, at that point, we're functioning in the flesh. The verse continues to say, and then we need to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I'm going to bring something to your attention. If God's word says we can bring into captivity every thought, then that means it's possible for every thought to be captive. So here is the key to controlling our emotions. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here's the key. Because, see, some of you are trapped. You, you feel in prison. But I'm about to tell you now how to control. Watch this. Since emotions are feelings that come from thoughts, then if I can control my thought life, I can control my emotions. Oh, 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 I'm going to say it again. Listen, listen, you only feel how you feel because of how you think. Okay, so that means if I can control my thought life, I can control my emotional life. Someone say amen to that. And this is why having a renewed mind is so important. Listen, a renewed mind teaches your emotions how to act. 
I'm going to say that again. A renewed mind teaches your emotions how to act. So here is how this works. Step number, step number one, you have to monitor your thoughts if you're going to be able to manage your emotions. I'm going to say that again. You have to monitor your thoughts. You have to pay attention to what you're thinking in order for you to manage your emotions. Because you only feel the way you feel because of the thoughts you've been having. Now listen, when a thought comes, the only way to keep it from exalting itself against God's knowledge or the Word of God, the only way you're going to keep it from doing that, watch this now, is to exalt His Word over that thought. Well, you say, well, Pastor Evan, how do you do that? Well, I'm glad you asked me. I'm going to do an exercise right now. So listen, listen. Stay with me. I want you to do this exercise at home. I'm about to show you how to exalt God's word over a negative thought or emotion. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you to start counting to 100. Not yet. I'm going to ask you to start counting to 100, but I want you to do it in your mind. Not out loud. Don't move your lips. I want you in your head to start counting to 100. And then once I ask you to do that, then I'm going to ask you something. And when I ask you what I'm going to ask you, I want you to respond out loud to the answer to the question I'm going to give you. Uh, so, so are you ready? All right. So I need you to start counting to 100 right now. Now tell me your name out loud. Now what happened to your thinking? It had to stop. And that's what happens. The moment your mouth speaks and it speaks out loud, your mind has to stop. And that's how you exalt God's word over your mindset. You have to open your mouth. You have to exalt his word over your thinking. And all you got to do is speak the word out loud. You have to speak God's word out loud when you have negative thoughts. And listen what will happen. It will tear down that thought. And so that's how you manage your emotions when negative thoughts come. Now, if our emotions, listen to me now, have already developed from some strongholds from previous negative experiences, how do you deal with that? Well, you must do the same thing, but instead of now being defensive, because remember now, the first way thoughts come, you open up God's, your mouth and speak God's word, it brings that thought down. That's, that's defense, because you have to wait until the thought comes. But this time, when you've already had a negative experience, and it's part of your thinking now, and it's part of your emotions, now you have to be offensive instead of defensive. This is when you must take the word, watch this, and use it to bring down those negative emotions. Remember now, emotions originate from thoughts. So we need or we must take the word, the truth of the word, and bring down these negative thoughts. So I'm going to give you an example. Okay, I have with me one of my wife's trusty, trusting cooking utensils. This is an iron skillet. Now, Pastor Edmund don't cook, don't know how to cook. But I do know one thing. One day she was cooking with this iron, and I decided to touch the handle. You don't want to know what happened. So let's, 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 let's take... Let's say, for example, 
you feel shame from a bad decision you've made. How many of you made bad decisions before? Raise your hand. Come on, raise it. I got mine up. Raise your hand. Uh, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. All right. Somebody ain't raised their hand. Raise your hand because you know you done made a bad one before. Well, let's say you have shame from making that bad decision. What do you do? Shame is a negative emotion. You are going to have to take several verses as medication until the virus of these negative emotions are under control and eliminated. In other words, you're going to have to apply the word. And I hear some of y'all thinking, Pastor Evan, I don't want to go through all that. Well, how long do you want to keep the stronghold you got? See, it's not until you get fed up with the devil that you can say, oh, no, I'm going to evict you today. Listen, yeah, this is work, but it works. You're going to have to take several verses as medication until the virus of negative emotions are under control and eliminate. We do it in the natural. You go to the doctor. When they diagnose you, they say, oh, you have an infection, ma'am, sir. You have an infection. Here, we're going to give you this antibiotic. It's an antibiotic for eight days. Listen, you're going to start feeling better after about day number six. But don't stop taking the antibiotic or the infection can come back. I'm telling you, you must apply the word to your emotions and if you do it long enough they won't come back so let me tell you in that situation if you've had to walk through shame here is an exact example so you can go back over this when you watch it again first of all you got to realize when you ask God to forgive you that's what he's going to do number two you must realize you need to forgive yourself see this is a step most people forget they, they ask God to forgive them, but they never forgive themselves. And so watch this now. Because they never forgive themselves, the negative emotion that they're experiencing of shame never goes away. So you have to forgive yourself. And so this is how overcoming shame will look like and sound like. Father, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so according to 1 John 2, 12, my sins have been forgiven for Jesus' name's sake. So Lord, you have forgiven me, so I forgive myself in Jesus' name. You said in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Lord, I have chosen to walk in the Spirit in the that area of my life now so I declare that condemnation guilt or shame has no power over me therefore I choose according to Philippians 3 13 to put those things which are behind me and I will reach forth to those things which are before so shame is behind me and my future is before me that means now I'm choosing to not dwell on what has happened to me I'm dwelling on what God has for me I'm choosing to believe Jeremiah 29 11 for I know the plans that you have for me, God, declares the Lord. You have plans to prosper me and not to harm me. You have plans to give me hope and a future. And so I cancel shame trying to function in my life because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's how you overcome shame. But Pastor Evan, I don't want to say all that. Well, you just stay right there where you are then. You just stay right there where you are. Now, so I prayed all this week about this lesson. And I ran across a question that I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what causes us to hold on to something that hurt us? 
Because we all have at one point in time had something to hurt us. But for some reason we've held on to it. So I asked, I said, Lord, what causes us to hold on to something that hurts us? So he gave me this, this example. Let's say in the natural, you were cooking with this old school cast iron skillet. And it's on the stove and it is burning hot. And so you know if you pick up that handle, it's going to burn you. But let's say you weren't thinking like I wasn't that day. And you decide to pick up that hot skillet. Let me show you what would probably happen. That skillet would be so hot, you would immediately drop the pan because of the pain. So watch this now. When we hold on to something that is hurting us, it's like you and I holding on to a hot skillet. Even though it's burning me and causing me pain, I'm not letting it go. Why is that, church? Why would we hold on to something that's hurting us? I said, God, I don't get it. Why do we do that? Why do we hold on to things that are painful to us? And God gave me two things. I believe we hold on to things that hurt us for two reasons. Here's number one. It's because we believed a lie about what hurt us. Remember, Eve did not eat that fruit until she believed the lie of the devil. And many of us, we believe the lie. I mean, the lie might even be, I can never get over this. That's the lie right there. But whatever it is, most of us have not let things go that have hurt us because we believe the lie. Here's the second one, which I think most of us fall in this category. We don't know how to let it go. Now, in the natural, let's take the skillet. We were made, you know, we let this go because it's physical. But because emotions are not physical, it's harder to just let it go. In other words, we've made letting pain go more complicated than what it really is. So watch this. Just like if you picked up a hot skillet, you would drop it because it's causing you pain. I'm going to show you how to do that spiritually right now. First Peter chapter 5 verse 7. I'm about to show you how to drop emotional pain. Watch this now. He says in verse 7, cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, here's the thing. If you and I, if we don't cast or give God this pain, I know why. Because verse 8 tells us. Well, no, no, let me tell you something. Verse 8 tells us what's going to happen if we don't learn to drop the pain. Watch what verse 8 says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is roaring around, walking about, seeking who he may destroy. The devil will destroy you if you don't get a hold of those negative things. He will, the Bible says, give no place to the devil. When our emotions are not in a good place, we just open it up and we just say, come on in. So here's the question. You say, well, Pastor Edmund, I've, I've tried to give God this pain, but it doesn't seem to have worked because I still have it. Why do I still have it? Well, most of us still have this pain because we didn't do verse, verse 6. Watch what verse 6 says. Verse 6 says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time. See, 
It takes humility to say, God, I can't handle this. I don't want this. I need you to take this. And when you give it to him, it takes humility to let him keep it. I'm going to read now verse 7. So this is really how I say it, how it reads. Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due season. Casting all your care upon him because you care for him. The Amplified Version of 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7 says, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. Why? Because he cares for you affectionately. And cares about you watchfully. Man, that word cast is the same thing. Remember when Jesus, I'm closing right now. When Jesus uh, was getting ready to uh, stroll through the town, he told his disciples, he said, listen, I want you to go to this man's house and he's going to have a brand new donkey and ain't nobody rode on that donkey. And I want you to go get that donkey because I want to ride on that donkey. I know y'all like used vehicles, but I want a new one. So they go get this donkey. And while they was taking it, the owner of the donkey said, hold on, fellas, what y'all doing? Because Jesus told them, if the owner says something to you, tell him the Lord has need of them. So they went to go get this donkey. The owner said, what y'all doing? They said the Lord had need of it. So the master of the donkey gave it to the disciples. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 35, this is what it says. And they brought him, the donkey, to Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the coat. And they, and they sat Jesus on it. That word cast is the same word, cast your care. In other words, they cast their garments on the donkey. They took it off and they put it on the donkey. And then, listen, they didn't take it back. They said, okay, no, no, what's the next step? And Jesus sat on what they cast down. See, if you let him keep it, he'll sit on it and he'll fix it. And so what happens when you give this pain to Jesus right now? Well, listen, when the enemy of your emotions try to return them back to you, you and I must say out loud, I no longer have those or want those. I gave those the negative emotions, those pain. I gave them to the Lord. And according to Isaiah 61, 3, he's given me beauty for ashes. He's given me awful joy for morning he's given me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that I might be called the trees of righteousness that the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified today is the day to let it go it's time to drop the pain and I believe if you cast the care you drop it and give it to Jesus and let him sit on it he'll fix it so I want to pray I want to pray I want to pray because some of you are in a very complicated place difficult place confusing place hurting place because that rape was real. That divorce was real. That loss was real. But I want to walk you through casting that thing down right now. Father, in Jesus' name, 
Your word says, to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and you will lift us up in due time. And then it says, casting all of our care upon you, because you care for us. And Father, everyone who is watching right now, you care for them. You care where we are. You care that we're hurting. You care that we're experiencing pain. But Father, you ask us to do something. You can't fix it until we give it to you. And so right there in your home, I want you to just couple your hand right there. And whatever the situation was, I want you to mentally put it in your hand. Put it in there, right there. Let your children watch you do it. Just put it right there. Whatever it is. Now, Father, you said cast this on you because you care. I, I, I just want you to open up your hand. Just, just open it up and just give it to the Lord. Now, Father, we've done what you've asked us to do. When the enemy tries to remind us through our feelings of what we used to have because I don't have it anymore. I gave it to you. We will repeat Isaiah 61. And I thank you that breakthrough has come in the homes, in the hearts, and in the heads of those who are watching. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap right there at your home. Come on, right there. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Now, there's some people who are watching me. You're not saved.